0: Hello and welcome back to the Student Pages podcast post-Christmas break. I hope you guys are keeping warm. I'm certainly not. I'm back in my freezing cold studio, otherwise known as my room. And today I am joined by actress, voice actress, streamer and fashionista, Jen Cohen. How are you doing, Jen? Hello, I
1: am well, thank you. And I'm jealous of your freezing cold studio. I just had to have my superintendent come to my building because my apartment is broiling and I've got windows thrown open, and I've got the air conditioning on, and I'm still like glistening here. I'm just a glow from overheating in New York.
0: I don't think I've ever heard of anybody be jealous from the cold before.
1: Today, I actually I learned something fascinating during the pandemic, which was so most older buildings in New York City. You, you hear people complain about the heat being so so high and having to open the windows. And it's because most of these buildings were built and had the heating installed in them around between 1910 and 1920. And when the pandemic hit, they were designing these buildings for having windows open at all times so air could circulate. So when the flu pandemic hit a hundred years ago, they had to have air circulating. They learned that circulating air was the best way to keep a place safe and keep a place healthy. So that's why, All of the buildings in New York City tend to be overheated because they were built for this. And none of us know this or remember this, we only found this out during this pandemic this time. I
0: love little facts like that. Like, I love the little nooks and crannies of places that, that you do get in, in places like New York uh, and London. I wanted to start off by asking, let's just let to know a little bit more about you. I know you came up with various channels of voice acting and are now branched out into TV and also streaming. So I wanted to ask a little bit more about your avenues there. Sure.
1: I, I started as a stage and film actress. When I was a student, I went to drama school, I went to university for drama. I actually had an internship at the National Theater and lived in London for a stretch and loved it very much. And when I started, I was just banging my head against the wall and I kept on being stopped for voice work that I was doing. I kept like, I had did all this character work, I always was being aged up. I was always these big characters. And so producers kept asking me to do voiceover and I loved it. It was fun. And I could wear all the eccentric clothes that I loved. I didn't have to be dressed like I was going to some audition. So I could look like anything, be any age. My voiceover career as a result took off but I always also loved fashion. So I'd always had jobs like supporting my acting career. And my mother was a children's accessories designer. So I was used to being at trade shows, looking through booths, scouting for trends. So that was sort of baked into the sauce. My voiceover career took off. I then wound up doing more fashion work of my own, helping buying for stores, coming to fashion weeks in Paris and in London, befriending different friends all over the world. And then, Uh, Overwatch, which is one of the games that I voiced, took off and I started seeing gamers at conventions and they all wanted to know what I was wearing. And this was the moment that I said, oh my goodness, here is this amazing audience who doesn't know who to talk to and where to look for direction in terms of style. And so I started doing a stream where I would connect a gaming audience with indie designers from around the world. Anyway, as life would have it, I kept on doing bits of stage work and bits of screen work and a TV show that I just was in called Welcome to Chippendales uh, is now on Disney Plus there in the UK and is here on Hulu in the US. And a project that I worked on this past spring and summer which was uh, with a group of British actors started by a British actor named Sam Crane, who is actually right now Harry Potter on the West End in uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. He plays Harry Potter. He started this project that is Hamlet in Grand Theft Auto. He'd started doing all of these Shakespearean soliloquies and monologues in Grand Theft Auto. And I got to be a part of this production. We did a full show in July and now we've been nominated for a stage award. So I'm coming to London for the stage awards. I'm all excited.
0: That's incredible. I wanted to dig a little bit deeper your voice acting career, as I know many people may know you as your portrayal of Farrah in the Overwatch series, but you also have uh, other credits uh, in gaming, such as Red Dead Redemption uh, and namely GTA. But I just wanted to know a little bit more about the, the gaming and, and voice acting industry, as I, I know that many people are kind of interested in this as an avenue, and it's such a, an incredible niche Uh, interest. Uh, I was wondering if you kind of had uh, any advice or any experience about how you navigate your way in that industry.
1: Oh, sure. I'm happy to. The first thing I think that one has to do to succeed in voice acting and particularly in video games is to become a good actor. So the first thing you have to do is go to drama school or go take a class of some sort. And then I think it's good to understand what roles you would play, where you would fit in in the ecosystem. And then what's so nice is that in this day and age, so many people are able to make so much stuff. Like I have, I know so many creative young people and they have all these digital and technical capabilities. So work with your friends, make fabulous projects together with your friends and voice them. And that ends up working as a resume for you and as like a playground to be practicing and be trying new stuff. For me, when I was coming up, you had to go through much more official channels. So I had to go through a string of you know, worse agents to better agents to great agents. And it's it, doing voice acting for all animation work, but for video games is incredibly fun and really like creative and exciting. And it's the sort of thing where once you get accustomed to the rhythm of it, it's it, it's something that you know how to go through quickly.
0: I just wanted to circle back there to what you said uh, about finding those specific characters that you'd like to play. What kind of uh, avenues do you like to pursue when it comes to character work? Who do you find yourself returning to uh, again and again?
1: I think that everyone has a certain number of characters that are just in them, that are just outcroppings of who they are. And they can be characters that you had in you from the beginning, Like I always loved doing accents. I always loved voicing up and doing my aging up and aging down. I always was a character actress. So I love doing this big broad swath of things. I sort of, I'm known as a utility player. I've been on several shows where I play all of the female characters and where I can play all of these different side characters. But I think it's really just about play. It's about being very comfortable with being ridiculous and silly, about figuring out what someone's body would be like if they make certain noises. Like if you look at a picture of someone and you see a drawing of a character, how are they standing? Where would they breathe? What, how would their posture affect the noises that would come out of their mouth or their age or their their, their nationality? like. You put take all of that into consideration and then like put some magic fun sauce on top of it.
0: I think people really uh, underestimate the difficulty of voice acting as well because you, you don't have the ability to see anybody whilst you're doing it. You're really having to project and imagine like the state that the character is in uh, and being able to actually convey that level of emotion without having your own physical range uh, must be difficult.
1: Honestly, I've always found it freeing I find that part, I do, I find that part of it freeing because all acting is so much imagination and is so much play. And if you're able to untether and not worry about what your body is looking like, whether you are standing the right way, whether you, you know, have enough aging makeup on or off, whether you're the right physical type for something and can just get into The posture or the physicality of this bizarro, furry creature you're being in that Mm -hmm. moment and can just be that and not worry about what it looks like, but just have it come out of you, there's a lot of liberation to that. Or at least in my experience.
0: I think this leads on quite well to your hobby, your interest in style and fashion. Because I can assume it would be so easy if you are in that mindset to, to hide in the studio uh, without that kind of interview on your physicality and on your sense of style. But you've kind of done the inverse and then brought your style to, to others in the industry.
1: I have been fortunate enough that my dual pursuits worked in tandem. Each one got to feed the other. I did find that because I loved having a look and having a style and spending time and energy on that, I was less interested in always physically disappearing in a character. Like I like I like being me. I like looking like what I look like and I like seeing what other people are doing and I like being interested in that and talking about it and connecting with the why and the creators. So, voice acting offered an opportunity for me to be able to do both and not be terribly concerned about whether I was showing up with the right haircut, whether I was generic enough to, you know, put a You know, plaster a different identity onto, I could make my voice be that versatile, and then I could physically present the way that I wanted to. And then now that I'm at this point in my life, the way that I present is part of what makes me a compelling actor on camera and on Mm -hmm. stage. Ironically,
0: I think there's an incredible duality to that, as well as the fact that how, how we look, how we're perceived and the style that we have is such a concern for people, no matter what walk of life that they're in. It's so, like integral to who who someone is. And I'd be interested to know how you first came to things like like comic conventions or you brought your advice onto your twitch stream when it came to style as well and how you kind of uh, used your influence dynamically in that area.
1: As I was building my voiceover career I was also helping buy for boutiques in the US and so I had gotten my feet wet in the world of international fashion and had met all of these different creators from around the world. And then at a certain point where one of the stores that I'd been buying for closed, my husband had a couple of movies drop. I wasn't able at that point to go running off. I just had a new baby. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm gonna start doing an interview series, a podcast and a website, which was then called Fashion Dilettante, where I would run around and trend scout. And this is much like what I did with my mother. I would go to these trade shows and find different creators who were tapping into the zeitgeist and speaking to all of us in ways we didn't even know we wanted yet. Anyway, when Overwatch took off, I had already been doing voiceovers for all the different iterations of GTA. I had done Red Dead Redemption 1. I had done, uh, I'd been working on Star Wars, The Old Republic. But then Overwatch took off and that's what pulled me into the world of conventions. And it's, I mean, it's so exciting being among all of these fans, all of these people who are so attached to hearing you in their heads as they are being their best selves, as they are embodying these characters and slaying their dragons, making their friends. It's a very intimate relationship. And the first thing that all of them would say when they met me was, Oh my God, they loved what I was wearing. How did I know how to put myself together? And that was a real shocker for me. That was a eureka moment because I didn't realize that this audience, that this group of fans really needed someone to connect them to designers that spoke to them and needed someone to encourage them to find their own style, to express themselves the way that they loved. And that's one of my favorite things. And that was the other half of my business. So it very organically came together as one path. My fashion people all were super interested in being connected to a new audience. And so doing streams with my fashion clients and friends, connecting them to a gaming audience, was really fun for everyone, and everyone. It's it's been really exciting now to see all of these gamers that I've had as part of my fan base, and now as part of my my little Farah family, my fam, my PHA family, all wearing pieces from designers I've found over the years or people who I found and connected them with since starting to stream to them.
0: It's so incredible how people do actually find these communities through like a shared love of gaming and how it can go just from screen time with someone to actually meeting up uh, and going in full costume to kind of enjoy this environment together. I'm still very much on the outskirts of that society but I I know from a couple of friends who are a little bit more involved that the actual creation of cosplay is so intricate and detailed and it is like a love a, a labor of love almost but sometimes very expensive.
1: Very expensive sometimes and outrageously time consuming and the skill level that's involved to make something great is incredible the patience the artistry Yeah, I'm blown away by cosplayers. And I also am really inspired by cosplayers because they are expressing parts of themselves through clothes, through fashion, in very controlled, safe environments. Like in these environments where they can go and be their brightest, shiniest, peacockiest selves, which is amazing. And then that influences who they want to be in their day-to-day life as well. And that sort of is where I fit in, where I slide in there. Because I just, I love seeing people tap into what is magical about themselves, wherever you may find it, whether it's in gaming, whether it's somewhere else in your life, but wherever you can feel like your greatest self, if you can incorporate that into how you present every day. Then you're succeeding, and then you're really being your best self.
0: I think the term peacock is so is so key there as well. I've never had it described like that. But in that moment when you can really go in and start start flashing your uh, skills and, and like your attributes towards certain characters. Is there a specific cosplay, I know it's probably hard to narrow it down to one, but is there a specific cosplay or outfit or style that you seem to be more drawn towards or something that you've looked back on and thought, wow, that was an incredible piece of artistry?
1: Absolutely much too hard to name. (laughs) I mean, there there have been so many incredible cosplayers who I've gotten acquainted with over the last handful of years. I'm blown away by the time and energy and skill that goes into the costumes and people coming off the top of my head. I'm thinking about Holtzclaw cosplay. I'm thinking about uh, Jackie Craft, who I met early on in my run and people with automated, like automated uh, electrified pieces that are moving. It's, I'm blown away by them really great. And then what's been funny has been seeing people cosplay me. So seeing people show up at different conventions dressed as me, which is hysterical. That's like another level. I feel like then we've
0: gone meta. It's wild. (laughs) Speaking of meta, I believe uh, aside from being an actress, a voice actress, a streamer, you are also a fellow podcaster.
1: I am, although it sounds like you're farther along because I've just been in development on mine. I had my original podcast, but yes, a year ago, I started working on this podcast because of working in this space of connecting style content with gamers. I'd started working with different metaverse companies one in particular, and we were trying to figure out ways to put them together. And I found all of these amazing creators who were figuring out new ways to express themselves and make art in Web3. And this I thought was really rich and delicious. You know, in my experience, a lot of people are reluctant to get involved in Web3 because it's early because it's associated at this point with Mark Zuckerberg and their suspicion, because in the very beginning of any new venture, there's a lot of charlatans, there's a lot of questions. As we've seen with the crypto meltdown, there are reasons to be reluctant. However, if you're able to follow the people who are making the amazing things and who are opening the portals to see what would be possible in this next iteration, and are doing it in ways that are equitable, that are responsible, that are environmentally sustainable, and that like actually benefit all of us, that's who to follow. Those are the channels to take into whatever this budding metaverse will become. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this podcast about is about. It's called the Metastyle Podcast, and it's all about creators in the metaverse, and about going into this in a way that works for everyone. And that is actually
0: really exciting and creative. And how would you say style in the virtual world actually differs from reality?
1: Well, it's actually a lot like gaming. There's so much more possibility. And when you take away things like gravity or social acceptability, when you know, this it's funny that you ask this, it goes back to the full circle of what I'm talking about with why I love voiceover. If you're able to be an avatar that is any shape, any gender, any race, any any kind of animal, any anything, you can create a being that represents you and then dress it in this fabulous way that expresses you so authentically and doesn't have to have any relationship to how you walk around in the world can express you more fully that's what is possible if you are able to have if you're able to have a character that is swimming through space and that is what represents you not only do you get to be more fully yourself in that reality but then you can take something of that quality with you in your day-to-day physical life I think it's very exciting what's possible.
0: I, I do think that message there is so inspiring as well, like how how the virtual world, whether that be gaming, whether that be diverse, uh, whether that be doing things such as voice acting or acting or cosplay, that ultimately boils down to what is at the centre, the fact that you are in this position or um, exploring this environment to express yourself. And I think, unfortunately, so many of those virtual communities now are kind of shrouded by negative influences or possibly like those on the outskirts who have negative messaging uh, towards people. It's kind of being shrouded over by that.
1: I think there's a lot of
0: fear. Mm -hmm. I
1: think that unfortunately there are preconceptions that each side of this issue, that each, each side of these communities have about each other. And I think that Ultimately, if you get to the center, if you get to the core of what everyone wants, everyone wants to connect, and everyone wants to be safely themselves, and everyone wants to be seen and heard and included. Mm -hmm. Everyone. And I think that there are ways to do that going forward. I think presupposing that people have nefarious intent is where we go wrong. And and there are ways to achieve that. You know, I'm not saying that there aren't people with bad intentions and I'm not saying that there aren't people who are, are destructive, but there are so many good people to follow. There's so much good energy to follow into this environment. And my goal is to pass that message on. And my goal is to bring people on board with the good creators, with the good creativity. You know, what I always say again and again is the people who created the railroad are not the people who created the airplanes. And the people who built the horse and buggies are not the people who created cars. Just because one corporation is the leader at this moment, or one movement is the leader at one moment, doesn't mean they own the future, and that they will create the future. And we, you, in particular, get to dictate what the future looks like. So turning a blind eye and saying, this is a negative environment and I choose not to engage doesn't help you and doesn't help the future. You Mm -hmm. get to dictate how this goes by who you put your money on and who you choose to follow because everyone else who wants to connect and who wants to be seen will follow what you do. That's what I'm
0: about. And that's such a positive message for those who are either in in school, in college or in university at the moment, whose technical knowledge far supersedes my own because they've simply been brought up with technology in these virtual worlds. Uh, And let's face it, one day, those kids on iPads will be the ones making the iPads and remaking the iPads and finding new ways to explore virtual uh, technology
1: but don't sell yourself short. I mean, you're the one who's this young person running a studio out of your bedroom, doing a (laughs) podcast, being heard by your whole audience. You too are doing it. You didn't wait to, to, you know, 10 years from now to get yourself into some pro studio to do this. You're doing it now. You, You, like all these other young people really do get to dictate where things go not just the people who are going to make the next iteration of an iPad.
0: I think you should add self-love and positive messages to your um, Bird Mom Twitch Twitch stream. Yeah, I think you well, will be queuing up for messages of love off you after this. Yeah,
1: but this is a lot of what Bird Mom is about. You know, I found during the pandemic that there's this whole audience of these young people who were feeling so disenfranchised. And obviously when we all were at home, all of us were feeling very isolated. And the idea of there being a trusted adult that they could come to and talk to about what was going on, who they knew would see them and hear them and listen and could be trusted. And I mean, I have no medical training, so I don't ever purport to be a therapist. I always encourage people to get medical help. So that, but I am a very good listener and I am a trusted adult with genuinely good, loving intent. So this community that we built It's true, there's, there's a lot of seeing what is beautiful in everyone. And that's a piece of the gaming community that belies what it sounds like your experience of it has been. It is this beautiful little corner of the gaming world where it's very supportive and very encouraging and very safe and made possible by the fact that all of the people in it are really creative and creators and open. And are looking for ways to connect. So yeah, I've had such a nice experience in it.
0: Speaking of new creators and new audiences, I, I don't think it's a secret to anybody that the gaming industry is kind of filtering out into new mediums. And moving on from audience and community, you yourself have been returning to acting in these times. I don't think it's any secret that the gaming community have moved further out into things such as TV shows. I have to ask, have you uh, recently been watching The Last of Us?
1: Oh my gosh, do you know that I haven't? And I'm so embarrassed because it's (laughs) fabulous and I haven't seen it. I know nothing. I'm super embarrassed. I I need to watch it. Very embarrassing.
0: I think we'll see more of these kind of like linear gaming TV shows. I know The Witcher was a hit as well. What would you do if you got a call one day to ask if you wanted to voice Farah in the Overwatch franchise TV show?
1: So funny. I was just having this conversation with uh, a couple of the other VAs from Overwatch and we were saying if there was an animated version of the show, or of course, I think all of us would be so excited and would want to do it. But if it was live action, I don't think that, I, I think I'm not, I, I think I wouldn't be the one that they would call. I think that Farrah is a different build, but I think that if it's voice only, it's me or bust. I think you <laughs> could say that for most of us.
0: Speaking of your most recent time on screen though, you have recently been in uh, the show, Welcome to the Chippendales, which is now on Disney plus in the UK. Can you tell us a little bit more uh, about the story and the character you play in that?
1: Oh, it's just an unbelievable story. It's based on true events, that are so unbelievable that if you pitched it as a TV show or a movie, it would just be too unbelievable. It's got, it, without adding any spoilers there, murders and stripping and drugs and craziness. It's like all over the place. It's an immigrant story of the American dream gone wrong. In in actuality, this Indian immigrant named Steve Banerjee moved to Los Angeles and was the originator of Chippendales, which for those of you who are younger, I know I had some younger fans who thought that we were talking about the talking chipmunks, Chippendales. It's not that Chippendales. This is Chippendales, which was, it started in the late 70s, early 80s, and still exists to this day. It's a touring male stripping company that was this absolute (laughs) sensation through the 80s in the U.S. and then around the world. I have a lot of friends in the U.K. who are telling me that their moms or they or their friends or whatever were all obsessed with Chippendales. And it was this booming business and the the creator steve banerjee he's almost a little king lear like he just flew a little he flew a little too close to the sun and lost sight of what he'd created and what he had and in his attempt to and more and more credit just destroys everything it's a wild story and i get to play his and his wife's lawyer who comes in at the end i look very joan collins dynasty <laughs> 80s. I've got the hair, I've got the shoulder pads, I've got the attitude, it's amazing. My clothes are absolutely the greatest ever, but I'm always coming in with bad news, which is hilarious. I am the, the bearer of bad news in all of my scenes. And I'm in the last three episodes of the show that I had a wonderful time shooting it. And the stars, Kumail Nanjiani plays Steve Banerjee and Anna Lee Ashford plays his wife, Irene. We also have Murray Bartlett, who just won the Emmy Award for White Lotus. He's one of the stars. And Juliette Lewis is in it. Yeah, I
0: think you've given it a glowing review there. I will be logging on uh, later to have a look. I I feel like I've run out of things to watch now. The Last of Us is my (laughs) only recurring one. So (laughs) I do look for things to binge at all times. (laughs) It's been wonderful speaking to you today, Jen. And I just wanted to ask one final question. uh, As this is the Student Pages podcast, and we have a a student-based audience here in the UK, Do you have any final advice for young people who are looking to either get involved in streaming, style, acting or or voice acting or just generally the creative industry?
1: Uh, Yes, absolutely. My my biggest advice having to do with your, your introduction to that question is you have no idea how your different interests are going to come together to build your career. So in order to have the career of your dreams that no one else would have, you have to try everything. So if you have an idea of something that you want to do that turns you on, even if you think it has no bearing on what your official pursuit is, go do it, go try it. You've got to just throw it at the wall and see what sticks. And that's really how you find out what you're great at, what you're not great at, what you consistently love, And then things come together in ways that you honestly can't imagine. If anyone had told me 20 years ago that these interests would have come together and that I would have a career that looks like what it looks like now, I wouldn't have believed it because nothing like this existed, but it exists because I did all of these different things. Follow your muses. Try everything.
0: I told you I would take you back up on Shakespeare in GTA. And I am very curious about this venture that you have.
1: This is a wild project that I have been involved with since the spring. It actually all started during my streams when I was doing the streams on Twitch. I interviewed this West End stage actor. His name is Sam Crane. And he actually right now is Harry Potter on the West End. He plays Harry Potter. And his show got shut down. He was in rehearsals and it was closed and he went home not knowing what to do and his son taught him how to play Grand Theft Auto on a, I think on a PS4 originally. And so he's playing and he realized that when you weren't driving and shooting people and like causing mass destruction, that you were an avatar in this beautiful facsimile of Los Angeles in all of these amazing spaces And you were in rooms able to talk with people from around the world and talk in real time. And so he got really curious, did anyone ever do anything else other than drive and shoot people in Grand Theft Auto? And he started experimenting with it. And he started experimenting by doing Shakespearean soliloquies in GTA. And sometimes he got shot and sometimes he got (laughs) blown up. And sometimes he had people like crowd around to listen. So he and a friend, actor Mark Ostervin, who's amazing, they started making videos, films of these soliloquies and posting them to YouTube. And then suddenly they started getting requests for magazine articles and interviews and getting selected for festivals and winning festivals. All of this attention went on it because it's fascinating. It's how did these, you know, this is such an incredible idea. You know, when Shakespeare was written, it wasn't so, you know, polarizing and high-minded and, you know, wherefore art thou? It was done improvisationally. It kind of sounded like rap. It was done in the round with a call and response to the audience. And the audience could be throwing things. The audience could be, you know, screaming things. And people would go to watch Shakespeare not knowing what would happen and watching Shakespeare in Grand Theft Auto felt like the essence of what it originally was supposed to be. It wasn't exclusive. It wasn't a highbrow. It was actually really fun and inclusive and wild. So I had interviewed Sam about this when he first started playing with it. And then for my podcast, I'd interviewed him once he'd started getting all of this press recognition and festival recognition. And this is when he announced that he was going to make a full production of Hamlet in GTA from auditions through production and that I had to be in it. And I went, (laughs) oh my gosh, because I hadn't done Shakespeare in a very long time. But I wound up doing this and we rehearsed all spring and the production was in July. I play Horatio in the show. And if you go to YouTube, and look up Rustic Mascara or Hamlet in GTA. You can find the film of it or the full length of it. And we also had a documentary filmmaker, Penny Crane filming and making a documentary of this first Shakespearean production in the metaverse, which is really the first Shakespearean production in web three in real time. She had an avatar that was filming in, in the game and then also was filming in real time in her house with Sam making the, the, the making of this show. Uh, and then we all got to meet in person for the first time in August in London. And now this production got nominated for the Innovation Award at the Stage Awards in London this coming Monday. And so that is why I am coming your way tomorrow. I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, it's been it's been thrilling. And we've gotten very nice notice from uh, from the Royal Shakespeare Company. And I hear that, I, I think I heard it was either the National Theater or the Royal Shakespeare Company had a viewing party when we did it, which was like <laughs> so full circle for like little drama student me to feel like, oh my gosh, look at this, this is what's happening now. So I'm very much looking forward to doing more of it. We wanna do more shows. And I want to bring this version of Shakespeare to a young audience. I'd like to bring it to universities here in the States. I'd like to be bringing it now to conventions and do real time, real life events where gamers and other people who are at the convention, pop culture fans could potentially participate and play with us and mess around. I mean, it's very freeing getting to do Shakespeare in this improvisational loose fun, violent way. It's really great.
0: It's such an entertaining concept and not two areas that people would most commonly put together, I assume. I'm curious, have you heard of drunk Shakespeare before? Yes,
1: I have, I love that. I think that's terrific. I I think (laughs) it's terrific, but it it speaks to a very specific audience. So (laughs) I think, but you know what? But both are ways to bring Shakespeare to audiences who wouldn't ordinarily embrace it or who wouldn't ordinarily be interested in it. And any way that can keep these art forms alive and bring them into the future, bring them into audiences who will want to keep them going because they're so freaking fun and true and reflect such honest things that happen in ourselves,
0: better. I think you'll be loved universally by every English literature teacher in the world after kind of going through the the marrying of gaming and Shakespeare and allowing this to be brought to like younger people uh, as well as people who wouldn't normally be invested in Shakespeare as well. Uh, Where do you see this this venture going afterwards? Will you be doing Othello and Animal Crossing or? You know what's so nice about
1: GTA 5 is uh, like You don't have to be static the way that one would when one's doing a Shakespearean production. There's this ability for your characters to be able to travel from world to world, it's much more like doing a film of a show, like you get to have the immediacy of a play, but a film, film filmic in that you can go from location to location. So when we did our production, at one point, we were all on a plane that crashed. At one point, we were all riding on top of a blimp that blew up. We were in the, the, the Greek theater. We were at the Playboy Mansion. We were, I know, on a, on a yacht. We've we, been in all of these crazy places. So we talked about trying to do one in Red Dead Redemption, which would be terrific, one in the Wild West scape. But I think that there's more terrain to explore in gta if we want to like these are the most amazing rich
0: virtual worlds to use for it so it's just fun i think that's such an incredible venture yeah thank you thank you so much it's been wonderful to speak to you both uh, and i hope that you have a very nice. good day because i know it's the just the start of the day there for you guys
1: <laughs> early day yeah, early for la um afternoon for me so we're <laughs> We're good, but Grace, it's such a pleasure. It's so nice to meet you. This was really fun.
0: It's so nice to meet you too. I hope you have a wonderful time in London uh, on Monday. Uh, whereabouts are the actual Stage Awards? Um,
1: I know they're in the West End. What theatre are they at? I, I, Drury Lane? Drury Lane,
0: I think. Oh, Drury Lane Theatre. Nice one. <laughs> I think
1: Drury Lane Theatre, I believe. Yeah so I'm looking forward and then what's so nice is that the whole cast from the show and I mean there I think that there's one in Ireland who can't come and then there's one somewhere in the highlands who can't come but everyone else is meeting we'll all go and and meet in some shishy place and <laughs> toast and scream and yell but I think the last thing any of us expected was to be nominated for an award like this I think it it, it bestows a little more Fabulosity onto the project. So we're very excited. It's cool. Brilliant speaking to you. Thank you ever so much. Have a nice day. My pleasure. Take care. You too.